0: You're listening to Filling
1: the Storehouse Podcast. I'm David.
0: And I'm Stuart. And we want to walk with you on the journey to living the abundant life through faith, family, and freedom. Our goal is to refine our why while helping you find yours. Together, achieve our best and highest purpose. In the end, we'll drive each other to intentionally fill our storehouse. Storehouse listeners, what's up? This is Stu. Hey, uh, before we get into this episode, I have one favor to ask of you. Go find our Facebook group. It's called Filling the Storehouse Podcast Facebook group, and uh, and join us. Um, we're uh, trying to grow the community, grow the tribe, um, to uh, just uh, promote uh, abundance and uh, and service and giving, and uh, just share uh, lots of cool stuff with you. We, we uh, post clips from our podcast episodes, uh, good books we're reading. Uh, information on uh, our guests previous guests blog posts um you know just some cool funny pictures uh, just lots of lots of good stuff going on in our facebook uh, group so we'd love for you to join us and uh, and tell someone else about us um we'd really greatly appreciate it um and uh go fill your storehouse make a great day see ya. yo what's up what i is up stewart and Prince.
2: Prince, what's up, man? Hey, what's up? What's going on? Thank you all for having me on the show. Definitely appreciate it.
0: Yeah, this is Filming Storehouse Podcast uh, for all of our listeners. They probably know that because they're listening to it already. But hey, Prince, I got a big question for you. What's up? Super important question. Mm-hmm. Halloween's coming up.
2: You say, what, okay.
0: What is your What is your favorite Halloween candy? Like your go-to Ooh. Halloween candy?
2: good question i like those halloween edition reese's cups yes reese's Dude. cups yes. yes
1: all the holiday version reese's are the best like yeah. whatever they do with that ratio, more peanut butter like the christmas tree, <laughs> the freaking halloween it's, one
2: i don't know if it's the same thing but they just put a different wrapper on it but you know they're my go-to
0: yeah Crack. i am still out. trying
2: to figure out who eats candy corn i don't know who why does that keep coming out why is it still around why it's a big thing i don't know who eats candy corn so you know it's
0: it's yeah. awful it's like the worst candy ever Yeah, but like, you kids, uh, you
1: know, like my kids if it has a sugar content to it my kids are like i'm in i mean <laughs> i got it like it has sugar like the peeps you know when you look forward like when you look out to like uh easter Mm-hmm. Those peeps are nasty, dude. But my yeah, horrible, horrible.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: I. Uh,
0: What's candies, I mean Reese's, man. I, so either Reese's or uh I always go to Starbursts. I, I like yeah. a Star. I like Starbursts.
2: Yeah, that's the only candy I think I could do. That's not a, uh, no that and Jolly Ranchers. Jolly Ranchers. I can do Starbursts. Everything else got to be kind of some type of chocolatey type yeah, feel, but it's like a little everyday candy probably Starburst, Starburst or Now or Later. Those are the those was big when I was yeah, I don't really see them around good. as much, but it, it was yeah, they're good it was popping back in the day when I was in high school. So, yeah, yeah what's, your, what's yours? Dave? I agree
1: with you on the chocolate, man. Like it's and, and I'll tell you what, I find myself Jones and obviously the the Reese. I'm not a big candy guy, but Halloween brings out and then the mini Snickers you just got, pop those things. <laughs> those are good, man. They're a perfect mix of nuts and caramel and chocolate. Yeah, it's, but it's got to have chocolate, dude. You know, the chewy stuff. It's,
2: the oh, worst damn. thing is those little candy bowls. It's usually the people that had the candy bowls, I walk by people's desks and I raise my hand. <laughs> if I <you're> walk <far laughs> by your desk and you got Beirut, Snickers, Mr. Good Bar, anything like that, and you missing about three, two or three, it, it was me. Yeah. yeah, I definitely got, I definitely like, oh, man. You
1: no. can eat the smaller ones at your at your leisure, right? Like, because they're not as many calories, so you can eat as many. as you
2: Yeah, can. exactly. You know, bite <laughs> size. Crack it open, you out of there, you're done.
1: You burn more calories chewing that tiny candy. <laughs>
2: <than> <laughs> Did you it? Do you, do you actually eat? intake?
1: Yeah, so no, I they're, they're fine. That's what I tell myself every year.
2: What well, my this question? Name. What's your favorite candy bar?
0: Candy bar.
1: I think I I always default to the peanut butter and chocolate man. It's if I'm gonna eat something like that, it's gonna be a Reese's.
2: A Reese's Reese's Mm. peanut butter
1: cup. Reese's peanut butter cup.
2: Over Beirut.
1: Yeah, man. Baby. Baby Ruth.
2: Twix.
0: Way way over all the peanut butter Twix. The peanut butter Twix. (sighs) You never had the peanut butter Twix?
2: No. Yeah, peanut butter. Yeah, that's a good one. Definitely had those. Twix, sneakers, what's else uh old school, old school is like Mr. Good Bar. That's old school. Yeah. Um I or can't like do Grand Crunch, Grand I can't bar. do the Hershey's Bar. But yeah, you know, I put Bay Ruth up there. Bay Ruth is, you know, like one of my top go to candy bars if I'm gonna All have right. a candy bar. All right.
1: I'm not gonna judge it. I'm not
2: gonna, I'm judge not gonna... Judge it. <laughs> <laughs> But it's... I won't kick a Reese's out of bed either, so you know. Yeah. I don't put yeah, them in yeah. a candy bar lane. They're in their own little yeah, that's that's there on the world going on. That mm-hmm.
1: yeah, actually was awesome. We're just going to spend the next 45 <laughs> yeah. minutes <or> so. <laughs> <laughs> Talking, talking about, about candy, candy bars and uh stew. Yeah. I'm curious how you feeling today? How how you feeling? Uh
0: I'm good, man. I'm 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 recovering. I'm recovering uh I had a little, you know, I've had a little 2-day recovery. I my wife didn't want me to talk about it because she's embarrassed, but uh yeah, a little uh, party for one of our friends she was turning 40 and uh i am i'm a lightweight when it comes to uh having alcoholic beverages
1: you had one and a half beers both fours <laughs> light that's not true fours lights <laughs> and he was like hammered couldn't walk straight.
0: <laughs> i had i had i, I had three beers <laughs> i had three beers and one large shot of vodka and it was awful and mm-hmm. i've been hard down for two days that's two when, days. That's when you know. <laughs> that's when wow. you know you're old. Is when you have two day hangovers off of three beers and a shot. Wow. Yeah. But, yeah.
1: So, of all the things I think your it's, wife it's, has to be embarrassed about with being married to you, that's the thing that, yeah. like, that put it over.
0: That's put it over the top. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, she she said that I shouldn't talk about my my uh, my party my partying because it's it's very unChristian. So no.
1: Jesus turned water into wine and uh, he was handing
0: out wine. Everybody was like,
1: he was, and it was the best drink wine. up. It was the best wine. Now there are many things in the Bible about drunkenness and all that, but didn't think it didn't mean it's not like you were drunk. It just sounds like your body was no, like,
0: had a bad you reaction.
1: You had to put a nipple on it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then you were done. All
0: right, let's, let's get like serious here. Let's, let's talk about some stuff that actually like, is worth listening to here. Like, <laughs> our listeners have probably already turned it off because this is the worst. This is like the worst intro ever, uh, Prince. Yes, sir. Let's talk about. Let's talk about you, man. Let's talk about you. What's what? Uh, give give our listeners a little bit of background about who you are, uh, where you came from, and, and what you're doing now.
2: Um, you know, obviously, my name is Prince Dykes. Um, came from. I was born in Augusta, Georgia, raised in a little small town of Waynesboro, Georgia, right outside of Augusta, about. 45 minutes south 30 30 40 minutes south of uh, Augusta Georgia um, grew up grew up in a house with I was the youngest of four brothers um, my dad was a school teacher and my mom was a school teacher turned daycare center operator so she started off as a school teacher and ended up going and starting her own daycare my dad he's a Vietnam veteran he used he went to the uh, army during the Vietnam era because he's 75 now and You know, he used the GI Bill to go to school, become a school teacher, got his first job up in uh, Burke County, Waynesboro, Georgia. Met my mom in college. You know, they had all four of us. So pretty middle class background I grew up in. Great parents, great uh, brothers and things like that. And I want to say my junior year, I would say a high school type of student I was was more like a CD type student. You know, I was not athletic, not extremely popular, but average guy, average guy, nothing spectacular. I wasn't academic or I wasn't uh, athletic or anything like that. So my future wasn't looking too promising going forward. So uh, my brother was very interested in joining the military. And um, he tells the recruiter, hey, you know, uh, Chief Gilchrist, who I still talk to this day, hey, you need to talk to my little brother. He comes and talks to me one day uh, over the weekend and, you know, got me very interested in going to the Navy. And I said, wow, you know, I want to go up on this, take this opportunity because this is, if I if this doesn't work, then I'm just going to be around Waynesboro, Georgia. Not saying there's anything wrong with Waynesboro, Georgia, but I had bigger aspirations in life. So, my, I started my career off on a submarines as a logistics specialist. That was my introduction into like inventory and finances and things like that. So I started to pique my interest. So while serving, went off and got my associate's degree, bachelor's degree, then my MBA. Then when and did Series 65, Series 63, life insurance, health insurance, you know, a slew of certifications, you know, just learning and learning and things like that. And I knew once I retired from the military one day that, hey, this is a field I want to go into in some type of way of capacity. So from there, uh, I started my own YouTube channel back in 2013. It wasn't very popular back then. Um, YouTube in general wasn't as popular as it is today. And podcasting back then was considered internet radio. So you just made an episode and just put it on the, your website. and That was kind of the end of it. And uh, But I didn't really have the opportunities or I didn't have the – I won't say opportunities – I would say I didn't know the way to get to radio. So that wasn't an outlet. So I turned to internet radio, which eventually became podcasting. And then I couldn't get on TV. I didn't know how to get on TV. So I uh, went to YouTube. That was the next best thing. And before it became, you know, popular what it is today. It's kind of crazy now that everybody takes podcasts over radio and everybody takes YouTube over television. It, how that aged is crazy but back then it was just for like the rejects you know it's like hey if you can't get on the radio thing you can make your own internet radio so i started doing front that back edge, man. 13 is it say again
1: you're on the front edge you're a leader in
2: the exactly you know so at the time i definitely didn't know it it was just one of those things that was kind of going on and um i knew that's what i wanted to get into so i started doing it just to kind of put a little content out Here and there or whatever, while I was, uh, you know, while serving and things like that. And when I I started to think about it, like, man, you know, all these things that I'm learning about, you know, in finance, why did not I notice as a child? And I asked my dad, I said, Dad, why you never brought us stocks or anything like that? And he said, son, I, I didn't know you could do that. He said, nowadays, y'all can pick up y'all phone and buy stuff or whatever. He said, for for me, I would have to drive to Atlanta and go to a stockbroker. Then I had to have so much money and whatever. So we didn't have that access. Like, I I didn't know I could do that. So my why started to build around, you know, what if my dad knew? How it would have changed my my life or maybe my brother's life or whatever, you know? So um, I thought about all that. We had a bunch of adult content out as far as like teaching adults and credit repair, everything was more built upon repair, repair, repair. And, you know, using my Navy knowledge of preventive maintenance, what are we doing to prevent this from happening? And, you know, so, so I started thinking, well, what can I do to kind of prevent this from happening? Because it doesn't matter what a child does, it doesn't matter if they become an athlete, they become a singer or engineer or whatever, they're going to have finances they're going to have to deal with. So I decided to take it upon myself and I now have a 10 year old son, but I think at that time he was about four years old and he used to bring home books all the time. His name is Wesley. So he used to bring home books all the time that said absolutely nothing. It would be like the cat jumped over the hat. That's the wells, you know, made friends with the cat. And then they went off and I don't know, rode a giraffe back into the forest or something like that. And it would absolutely say nothing. You know, no offense to them. I know a lot of it was underlining lessons of learning how to say words and recognize animals and things like that. And I was like, man, you know, in 10, 12 years, you need to know some real, you know, you're going to be, in, a, you know, pushed off into the world of knowing about finances. We need to be talking about investing and credit and insurance and real estate and taxes and those things. So, you know, I just started to. Write the book Wesley Learns to Invest. That was my first book I self-published back in 2015. Wrote it in 2014, published it uh, by myself in 2015. And then, you know, uh, the second book came out in 2017. Well, I actually went to Shark Tank. I went to Shark Tank in 2016, pitched it there and said, hey, um, I would like to create turn this book into a series. I created an app. I don't know if y'all are familiar with uh, Start Engine. Um, it's like the pre-IPO market. Where investors can go and and invest into companies that haven't gone public yet. So I created this. I created that was what I created back in twenty, think twelve. I created that app, and it was called IBOA Investors and Business Owners Hub. When investors and business owners come together, you can find investors and things like that. Because I was paying attention, I saw in twenty twelve President Obama passed the Jobs Act. Before you could invest in the pre IPOs, you had to uh, be an accredited investor. So, you know, President Obama came through with 2012 Jobs Act and kind of got rid of that. So it opened up the market to where you could be a small investor and invest like someone off the shark tank. So I said, well, great to know, but where do you go to do that? You know, there's somebody is in Ohio with a coffee shop. How do you find that person? How does somebody in Ohio find me in Denver or whatever? It's no big sign. So, to- to go so i created it i took the to shark tank and i pitched that and things like that and um i became a finalist but i didn't get picked up to get um aired and things like that so um but throughout that process who did get aired was famous amos you know the cookie legend he famous amos got uh aired twice on shark tank and i saw him and i said man you know i really like to, i would really like to meet him he had got his new cookie inside of all of the costcos in hawaii So I did some strounging around and I met him and, um, we, you know, he he did my podcast. He just really loved my first book. He was just like, Hey, um, dude, I had no financial literacy when I created famous famous back in the seventies. Um, and I just wish I'd known this as a child. I think this is extremely important. So he, um, he helped me launch. The second book was titled Wesley learns about credit. So we launched it at iHeartRadio in in Honolulu, Hawaii. He came through, he hosted it and things like that. And, um, he brought some his cookies from Shark Tank. You know, great guy Wally Amos. You know, amazing story of you know creating the famous Amos brand and things he had done in his life. And from there, I left and I moved to Denver, Colorado. Here, and you know, just being around. I was at the Broncos Stadium the first time I met Terrell Davis. He was there you know for people who's not familiar with him he was a broncos uh, he's on the i think he's on the nfl network now he does the nfl network in la and you know broncos legend you know he's a hall of famer nfl hall of famer broncos hall of famer and you know super bowl mvp all that type of things like that i grew up watching you know he was the man back when i was like in middle school high school and the broncos was going to super bowl twice and um i just wanted to interview him on my podcast and when we met he just said hey Prince, man I really love your first two books you know and I said well I'm writing the third one he said well you, you got to put me in the next book so okay this guy's probably joking you know I just, I just wanted to get a picture you know I just grew up watching you I remember seeing I remember him being on Sesame Street and things like that when I was so he's like he's like no That's I'm awesome. serious so he, he was serious and um you know it took about I want to say it took about a year some change to get all the legality and all the stuff together written and we Published together with uh, at the Broncos Boys and Girls Club where we launched it, and Rod Smith, he's a Broncos legend as well. He came and he hosted it, and you know we launched that in 2019. That itself turned into the Wesley Learns Book Club where I said, okay, well we got the books, that's great, but when I will go teach kids and show kids, it felt um, it didn't feel like the results were tangible. You know like well how can i gauge how can i make a difference because i remember growing up as a child we had all type of social programs you know we had the feed a kid program where they would feed you in the park during the summertime we had programs that would take you on a field trip which were great but it was nothing tangible that i can hold on and show today so i just thought about it. i said well instead of selling everybody the pie in the sky type theory what is something i can do and that's when i came up with the whole idea of um the kids making kids shareholders of stocks. So what we did was we awarded, I want to say about seven kids uh, stocks where we've given away of Apple, uh, Apple, Coca-Cola, and what was the other company? Nike kids brands that kids relate to. And they were sponsored by uh, bank of America. And they were sponsored by Belco credit union here in Denver. Latos is another company that sponsored um, you know, I'm trying, hopefully I'm not missing anybody, but uh, you know, those ones that came through and sponsored for the kids to have the, you know, they covered all the purchase, the costs of the books. So all the kids had to do was read and um, read pass the online quizzes and they get to go to a pizza party. And at the end, you know, we're awarding with a share of stock. So we was able to do that in DC. We did a couple out there in the DC area, a couple of DC boys and girls clubs. Uh, kids won, a couple out here in Denver were uh, kids of one and back in Georgia as well. And in my hometown of Waynesboro, Georgia, my son Wesley, he, he is uh, 10 now. Uh, my mayor declared his birthday as Children's Financial Literacy Day. So that's March 16th is Children's Financial Literacy Day back in uh, my hometown of Waynesboro, Georgia. So my hometown has been very supportive and you know they've put all my books into the local library there, schools, things like that. So they've been very supportive. So we've gotten in a couple of schools here and um Colorado and you know across the globe and you know uh podcasts and YouTube has done pretty well to where we was able to meet a lot of people grow up grow across the globe and you know type of things so I think that's about it for me and it just hopefully I didn't is. talk too long that's, that's it that's all that's,
0: <laughs> that's, something,
2: that's, something that's something more than that <laughs> yeah man
1: that's yeah that's that's not much I don't, I don't know I don't I don't I have no idea what we can talk about in this podcast. <laughs>
0: we should just go talk about Halloween candy somewhere. Halloween
1: candy. <laughs> so I'm. Uh, I love that you took. You took a, a a need where there was a gap, and you created a why, and then just took massive action. That is that is such an amazing story, and and I think that action also led to. Uh, you know, we, we always talk about on the podcast when you take action, it inevitably leads to other opportunities. And and you, I mean, come on, D like Shark Tank. I actually watched that one. I had no idea that Famous Amos had kind of gotten in the situation he was. And, and for some reason, I just I turned on that that specific uh, Shark Tank, and it was fascinating. Mm-hmm. So I could have I could have known you before, but hey, tell us a little bit. I also don't want it to get lost that you're you're a uh, uh, CTRC very mm-hmm. near and dear to my in my mm-hmm. community and i don't want to lose that so if you could talk talk about uh, you know a little bit about your military career as well and how you're kind of doing all this stuff at one time
2: okay well you know i started my career as a uh logistics special storekeeper and i served on submarines and then i went um went to dive school i became a scuba diver on a boat as well so i was a scuba diver and storekeeper on my first submarine so uss albuquerque was my first boat um, then I went to shore duty. I went to shore duty. While I was on shore duty, I got IA to Iraq and then, you know, I got IA to Iraq and I started to feel a little funny when I about halfway through my Iraq tour where they just pumped me for a bunch of Motrin and said, hey, don't worry about it. Get back. So I get back and uh, pretty much they disqualified me from doing submarine duty and diving duty. They said, hey, you have to um, cross rate or separate. So these are the race we need. We need intelligence right now. Um, this side uh, came into intelligence and I went to knock Pensacola first. And that was my first command. that I did knock Pensacola. And then I went and did direct support surface on the surface side. So I went and got the IW pen, Then went and got my surface pin whilst uh, riding surface ships out of Hawaii. And then from there, I came here to uh, Denver as well. Um, I just look at it to me in my younger years, I were, you know, was spending a lot of time going to college, going to college, studying, going to college. Once I finished college and, you know, things like that, for the most part, I knew I wasn't going to go to school for a doctorate degree. I replaced that time with first I replaced the time with, you know, I said, hey, you know what? I'm going to play video games. Nothing wrong with playing video games. But that kind of got old after a couple of weeks. I said, I need to do something else. You know, I, I want to get into you know what am I going to do for life after, you know? And I started to uh, like, what do I like? What do I want to do? And I just started filling up my time with uh, business. Like, hey, you know, I want to get into, um, want to get into real estate. I want to get into finance. You know, I want to actually use my education and to apply it to something. So, on the intelligence side of the house, I learned a lot from um, research and data. You know, putting putting together data, reading data, putting together reports. You know. Taking raw intelligence and turning it into a product that people can use and understand. And that applied to a lot of finance. So, for prime example, people may look onto my show and say, Hey, well, how do you know these things? How do you find this out? It's really just going through data, going through financial reports, the same way you would look at a, a balance sheet or a cash flow statement or an income statement and seeing how they're talking to each other and telling a story over time and listening to the CEO speak and things like that. So, that was very. Uh, a a big skill that I took out of my intelligence side of the house and then applying it as well to my um, finance background and things like that. So I just took a liking into it. And, you know, I never thought that, you know, it would really grow. Like I didn't think internet radio would turn into podcasts that would turn into, you know, you know, thousands of people tuning in and things like, you know, grow like how the industry has grown in general itself, but it did, you know, and Um, it became something, it gave me a voice. It gave a voice to people who traditionally wouldn't have had a voice. So, um, yeah, so that's my uh, military background that tied into, you know, my, um, my outside work, you know, my outside work, the finance side of the house, traveling around the globe, moving places, moving from California, from San Diego to Connecticut to Florida to Hawaii to Colorado, you know, I've been back and forth across the country two, three times. So, and it let me meet so many people, just grew my network, you know, so massively that I could have probably never done if I never would have uh, left home. So I always advise people, you know, you know, shout out to my niece who just graduated Air Force boot camp. Hey, give the military a try, you know, um, you know, great way to serve your country, honorable service, you can network and it can help you find yourself because People That knew me in high school knew that you know, you my dad would tell you that you know, he'll tell you every day, like, I was worried about you in high school, I didn't know what the world you was, <laughs> you know, I didn't know what the world you was going to do, but you know, uh, the military definitely built confidence. That was the key thing I learned over my career was just straight confidence. All before was just that in my younger years in high school, it, it pretty prepared me for life. I had a lot of failure, you know, I did the sixth grade two times. Um, you know, never really got the honor roll, never was a great student or whatever. So I was used to a lot of failure of being told, No, you can't do this, which prepared me for life, adulthood and in business, because when I get told, No, I'm not, you know, failure is like second nature to me. I almost kinda expect it and when it do win, I'm like, Whoa, this worked. You know, this actually happened. So, um, it's kind of crazy how life turns out and yeah, that's the, the biggest thing I learned was getting that confidence of like, Hey, you know, you can do this. You are and studying, learning how to study, learning how, learning how to study and read better. And, you know, having that confidence, that's the biggest thing I would say the military has done besides the networking piece too.
0: Well, how do you find the time? You know, there's, there's so many people that, uh, you mm-hmm. know, that have full-time jobs, W2, you know, military, mm-hmm. and you're, you're in the Intel world. So you're like, behind a skiff you know all day long where you can't bring your phones in you can't be on Mm -hmm. unclassified emails and computers like what you know how do you do it all like how you know where do you find the time
2: well um sometimes you you may get lucky sometimes where you may be on a watch rotation right so you may be on a watch rotation where sometimes you may have some time off like you may have a week off sometimes you may have you may work a schedule where you may work four days on, then four days off, or the Panama's, the two, three, twos, or something. like Those are the best schedules because you actually get days off to where you can plan to do certain things. But I always tell people all the time, uh, what you do outside of work is what will define your future. Um, once you get off work and once you have your off time, if you go to school, you keep going to school, you're eventually gonna walk across the stage with a piece of paper, with a diploma. If you go to the gym every day, you're going to be in better shape. If you drink every day, you're going to be a heck of a drinker, right? And if you play video games, you're going to be a heck of a video game player. But if you are your time off, you come home. And I will say one of the, the biggest things that people I think that overlooks it is it's a strong testament to my wife so my wife when i come home i don't have to worry about a whole lot of things i don't have to worry about you know uh you know she's taking care of my son she's taking care of the house a lot of things already taken care of and she kind of let let me go into my own zone of you know in the beginning she wasn't like that she was like what are you doing you know blah blah, blah. you making a video what a video about what you're gonna upload it and you're gonna do this and you're gonna write a book what you, like what is this guy on but then again when it starts to you know a light bulb went off like oh Oh, okay. Okay. I see this makes sense. Then I got a lot of leeway to take meetings, to do podcasts, you know, be guest on podcasts, have guests onto my podcast, write books, collaborations, emails, sponsorships, you know, it is a lot, you know. And one thing I didn't mention was in twenty seventeen I launched my own nonprofit organization, the Global Children Financial Literacy Foundation, which was uh Pretty much we just go with the mission of bringing financial literacy to kids. And the Wesley Learns Book Club is like the flagship program that uh, we do. And we've also partnered with other people for teenagers, for high schoolers to learn entrepreneurship, Shark Tank style, things like that. That's a whole nother conversation. But then I launched the the, uh, nonprofit in 2017. Then I launched my own company in 2013 in the beginning because I knew that, hey, I want to get into finances or something like that one day. And. That's what I've been working on. So I just been, when I have my time off, if I'm deployed somewhere and I ain't got time off, I'm either going to be reading a book. It's it's pretty simple and easy when I have time off that what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be responding to emails, re- reaching out to people, reading, studying, um, coming up with new content, things that I like. And it's so much easier when it's something that you like to do. Something you enjoy to do is easy to produce content and to do it, you know, versus if it's something that I really didn't like to do, it would be like pulling teeth. So it just comes off. So so much easier. Oh, I want to talk about this today. I want to do that. I want to do this. I want to look into this. I want to read this. And every time every time I have off, it's just that I'm just super focused, you know, in a world of distractions. Being focused is very hard. It's just that I know exactly what I want to do. That's how I can make it happen. I'm not going to lie. balancing is is ridiculous. Schedule does get ridiculous. His time is does get ridiculous, you know, but I'm like a bear. I take a couple of days. I hibernate to to get energy to go for the next couple of days of right. you know that's, that's things like I'm that so
1: you is, is uh, you know kind of that balance piece because you know I'm uh, you know I'm really curious on on how you you know so are you just to be clear are you a, you're a reservist right now
2: no I'm active
1: so you are active right now and you're doing all this stuff on the side yep. so I mean how do you like what does a day look like like how how do you, give me some practical application to balance and what that looks like for you.
2: Okay, so let's say for prime example, one thing is I have a digital calendar. I, I gotta have a digital calendar or things just not gonna happen. So I wake up and immediately I write down my goals accomplishment for the day. So I will wake up in the day, I manage portfolios. So I wake up in the morning, it's like, hey, you gotta go through, <laughs> I like to look at his face. <laughs> So the first thing I do is wake up in the morning. I had to look at, Hey, what's new, what things I want to do. And I make notes into everybody's portfolio that I'm managing and say, Hey, these are the changes that I want to do. These are the things I'm looking at doing X, Y, Z. Then I go to my digital calendar. What's on my digital calendar for today? Did someone schedule an appointment? Did someone have an appointment coming up? If If not, then, you know, then I know how to balance my day out on that end. Then it's like, okay, my work schedule. Now I got to go in, I got to go do work or whatever, right? If I have work now at lunchtime, I may go check my phone to see if I got a phone call, maybe to respond back to phone calls, little miscellaneous things or whatever. Right. Then when now that I'm off, when I'm off, then it's the time to follow up with emails. Because also on top of that, I'm part of the Colorado's uh, Department of uh, Colorado Department of Education's Financial Literacy Committee. So the Financial Literacy Committee, we are writing the entire curriculum for financial literacy for the entire state. So, I have to keep up to date. So, my whole day, I know exactly these are the things I'm going to work on every single day. I'm part of the financial literacy committee. Am I going to do a podcast? Am I going to do, I'm almost like a robot. Like, content comes out easy. I know how to make content very easy. I know how to go in and say, hey, well, we had this appointment. Let's move this appointment to uh, Friday afternoon. Let's move this appointment to Saturday. Let's move this appointment to Sunday or to meet with people. And I guess I've been doing it so long, it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't um, match, you know, I use a little leave, you know, I take the leave and I go do what I need to do. If it's that stressful, I definitely need to have time off I take a little leave or whatever. And it's not that bad. You know, boys and girls clubs don't open up until three o'clock. You know, they go from most time, they go from three o'clock to eight o'clock. If you want to do a boys and girls club, if I'm going to do a school, if a school is happening and I'm on a schedule, I pick it off day. Hey, I'm off these two days. I can show up to your school or I can take a face-to-face meeting or I may have to catch it on the back end. But and then also on top of that too, um, when I'm doing business with people, I also let them know what my schedule looks like. Hey, I'm also, I'm active duty. This, all these things are going on. So people will uh, work with you. For the most part, people have been, you know, leaning to say, hey, you know what? Yes, we'll work with you. We'll make this happen and things like that. And I just learned in business, a lot of things happen At the hours or the weekends or events, because I always try to make sure I, well, back before the pandemic, I always go out to a lot of social events or something's going on or war ceremonies or whatever to uh, meet people, see what's going on in the city, keep a pulse, keep a finger on the pulse or whatever and, you know, just make it happen like that. Now, granted, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. It's a ton of things that I've missed out, you know, that I've had to, um, that I could have done that I wasn't able to do. So I can't get it all but that's just my way of, hey, you know, this is what I want to have, you know, and, and do. So it's a little streamless, but I make it happen. So. so you sleep
1: like 30 minutes a night?
2: Uh, 30 minutes a night. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like that, you know, like you like you take a day like today, you know, we're in the middle of Chiefs season. So that we're in the middle of Chiefs season, we had training, you know, I just got off, got done with training. Uh, come home, I walk in, and it's just boom, it's straight into a podcast. Then straight after this podcast, it'll be – my podcast that i'll do a live tonight then after my live tonight then it's to well it'll be studying first then to go into my live tonight but i already know what my topic is going to be i'm going to research it some more bring it to the audience then it's going to go straight into studying for the next day
0: and hey, let's talk about uh, boys and girls club a little bit and what you're mm-hmm. doing with that and also department of education um and i, I want to get more details on you know the the book and how you're how you're awarding stocks because i think it's so cool man and then mm-hmm. at, leading into you know your, your program that you really want to work on this this kindergarten k plan
2: mm-hmm. okay so the thing is how the uh stock thing work is that uh they say we get a corporate sponsor bank of america says hey you know we want to sponsor you they write a check out to my non-profit organization Money comes into the nonprofit organization. We have a brokerage account for the nonprofit, you know, on um, that brokerage account we go and we buy stocks. We have Apple and uh, we currently hold Apple and uh, Kraft Heinz cheese, right? Because, you know, kids love Capri Suns and cheese, you know, whatever. So we have Kraft Heinz cheese, we have Apple and then we have some Nike as well. So it just sits there. Then what happened is we take that money and that's what we purchase the books with. We purchase the books we go into a boys and girls club the boys and girls club gets the books and then um the kids read them the kids read the first book you know or they usually have someone sit down with them most boys and girls club have a type of reading program so they'll read the first book with the kids then it's a uh, like five question quiz that the kids to take kids will take it once they're done um, once they award their winner we give them a pizza party we give them a pizza party the club will award their winner we go into the kid. We say, "Hey." We sit down with the parents. We say, "Hey, you know, in order for us to award you the stock, you must have a brokerage account. So you need to go create a brokerage account. If you need assistance with creating a brokerage account, some people that we can call to kind of help you out with that." The parent goes off. They create a board. Um, they create a brokerage account. It could be with TD Ameritrade, ETrade, Robinhood, whoever. And they pass us their account number and name, and we transfer the stock from our foundation's broker to their account and the kid becomes a first time shareholder and that's how we've been doing it now for I don't know, last two years three years so something like that so yeah
0: super cool man and do you kind of teach the kids about about stocks mm-hmm. and like kind of what it what it means to be a shareholder and the, kind yes of, the
2: background we go of in it. on the graduation day we definitely go in. we speak to them also uh throughout the training program um, we'll go in and speak if, you know, before COVID start to go crazy or whatever, we'll go in, we'll talk to the kids, walking through it to say, Hey, you know, what did you learn from this? You know, Wesley, and his dad purchased their first stocks. Cause in the book, Wesley learns to invest, you know, you can follow it step by step. They created a custodian account. They went out and purchased the first stock. Wesley got a couple of ideas of getting his first stock. Then he also was awarded a dividend check. So by reading that book, you're going to get introduced into what a custodian account is, how him and his dad got along and created a custodian account. How did they find stocks to buy? How did they raise the money to purchase their first stocks? And then how they earned a dividend check at the end, you know, all in a little children's book storyline. So uh, kids are getting an introduction because all my biggest goal is to say, I could understand, you know, you may not want to do it. You may not have the interest. But I never want somebody to say I never had the opportunity. So it's providing you the opportunity. And if you didn't take advantage of that opportunity, that's on you. Someone came in, they offered you something, they tried to give it to you. But how, it's, how America's financial system is set up now is that if you're born on the wrong side of tracks, you don't get financial literacy. You know, in order to get a custodian account, if you don't have mom, dad, uncle, cousin, grandma, and then open up an account for you, you just don't get one which leads me into the kindergarten K plan, whereas I look at this program and I say, well, how can I scale it? You know, how can I scale it? It's just that when you graduate high school, you turn 18, you graduate high school, everybody throws money at you. They got all type of scholarships, they got this, that, this type of money, they got all type of grants to go to school, get a trade, all this money get thrown at you at 18, right? Some of you gotta pay back, but you get all this money thrown at you. And I just say, hey, in every year, everybody knows the cost of education is constantly going up. So you're seeing scholarships funds that was started back in the 70s and 80 become totally as the years go along. They're coming less and less relevant. The reason why is that when you gave somebody three thousand dollars back in the 80s that got them through a year or two of school. Now you give somebody three thousand dollars in 2021. That's like two books. Yeah, like <laughs> you know. It one so class, one semester, the cost, the cost of education is going up. So I say, Well, how about all this money we allocate to scholarships and this and that all stuff like that, Home Depot, they're giving people scholarships $50,000 all this when I'm 18. What if we did that to kindergartners? What if we gave that to, hey, you walked into school here, you have the opportunity to get an investment account, you must take a financial literacy course every year, You get an investment account and you must successfully graduate high school and when you turn 18 years old boom now you have a portfolio to go off into the world to say hey now i may want to go buy my first piece of real estate i may want to go buy a car wash whatever you want to do in life become a real estate agent become everybody doesn't want to go to a four-year school and become you know uh get a bachelor's degree in something so i look at it i say that with all these resources that we're giving to everybody and the way the economical system set up right now if you don't have that like you take my son if he was born on the other side of the tracks he probably wouldn't have an investment account but since i'm his dad hey he has an investment account ever since he was two or three years old right so how can we say how can we reach other people that wouldn't even have access and the one thing that everybody does everybody goes to school so why don't we provide that five-year-old hey you have the opportunity to enroll into a program that's going to, you know, give you an investment account. You have to work for it. You have to study for it. You have to have financial literacy. Then within 18 years, this is compounding interest. Because the thing about it is corporations, you're going to have to donate more and more money every year because the cost of education and you know inflation is now running at five percent. So you got to keep putting more and more money into things in order to have the same impact towards like, hey, you know what? Let's use this thing called time horizon and time versus money. And it's used 18, uh, uh, 12, 13 years of growth to our advantage, you know, to say, Hey, you know, little Timmy, if you can keep your nose clean and you graduate school, you're going to be awarded an investment account. That's just my thought process. That's the kindergarten K plan that I look at. Uh, you know, that I've been working on now for a couple months and hopefully about a year or two, I can make it happen. So,
1: I love that. Man. And I, I have I have no doubt in my mind that uh, within a year or two or even sooner that you will make that happen. That's uh, I think that's an amazing plan. And just the, the empowerment to the future generations. And like you said, it doesn't have to be a one time huge amount. You have 18 years, 18, you know, 15, mm-hmm. 18 years to build something up. I mean, that's a that's a long runway to really accomplish them. So I think I, I love it. That
2: is, uh, and, and the other thing too, Dave, is that over time we're learning that the four year traditional college is becoming less and less relevant. Right. Everybody know that tech school is where it's at. You know, tech school is becoming more. You know, right now if my lights go out, I'm not going to call a uh, electrical engineer. I'm probably going to call an electrician. Yep. Same thing with our toilets. So some people look over. Hey, you know what? If you start investing for a kid now. By the time they're 18 years old, you're going to be able to pay for a trade like out of pocket. Like this kid is probably going to be able to get a trade to where they can walk off making a nice salary. Now they can go off and get a degree, but the thing about it in this economy we're seeing now, it's more about skill set. What can you actually do? How can you bring a skill to the marketplace? So,
0: yeah, now that they wouldn't be in debt, they wouldn't have tons of you know college debt, credit card Mm -hmm. debt. They would know you know how to. Actually, you know, write a check and balance their checkbook, and
2: well, there might
0: not be checks in you know, yeah. eighteen years, but yeah. uh, but you know, like they they actually are, they're literate. You know, like they know about finances. It's awesome.
2: And the thing they've seen, they have watched their investment account for the last 12 13 years, because yep. every year they get an annual review of what their investment account is doing. And the thing about it is one of the things I look to implement, uh, implement is to say, hey, you know what? We're just going to give the kids an index fund. S some P500 index fund. This kid is going to get it. And we're just going to watch it compound for them. The kids can see it. They can see like, wow, I have money and it's actually growing. And it actually incentivizes graduating high school. So I look at it as a win-win. The school, why wouldn't you want to have it? I can incentivize graduating. And if I can incentivize graduating, that can lower my dropout rate. Cause I could say, hey, look, kids, you you guys are leaving money on the table by dropping out of high school. Literally, you have an investment account that you're not, you you know, you're not going to be eligible for because you want to be a knucklehead. Other side of the house is, hey, if you're a donor, I'm teaching you a way of donating less money over time. Now you're not going to get that immediate impact, but over time, you're going to in ten to fifteen or twelve years, whatever. When this kid gets older, they're going to recognize more. And if people say, Prince, why not high schoolers? It's simple. High schoolers don't have that long a time horizon. They need their money in one or two years. What if we have a market correction next year or whatever? The kids who have the most to benefit from it are the younger ones. Hey, we get the younger kids. Hey, we're going to have these kids for 12, 13 years sometimes. some case. In my case, 14 years. But, <laughs> you know, you're going to have kids going through school this much time. Let's utilize this time horizon and just let this money compound, compound compound and then when they're 18 years old how about we award awarded to them that way and they're not absorbing debt before they even get a job now they have to you know no uh this to working um a waiter to order to pay off school debt when you have this big old degree that we all know this cr- the current system of hey i went and got this big piece of paper but now i don't have any experience or i don't have the proper connections so now i'm just You know, I'm waiting at Applebee's and Chili's until I can so I can pay off some of my student loans. I mean, that's crazy. And we live in the richest country in the world. So that's just my thought process. And I
1: think the other side of that's not as easily quantifiable or to be able to put a price tag on is the experience and the knowledge that they come out with. And and just the ability to even analyze an investment, to understand the growth, to have uh, you know, as, as you were saying, Stu and, and Prince, the uh, financial literacy, and then even more so something that you hit on much earlier, Prince was they now have confidence as well in the decision-making process where money is involved. And, and with that confidence and with that, uh, with that knowledge, they have options. And I think that you can't put a price tag on the fact that, that you're giving, these young adults, by the time they're graduating, these young adults options for life that they don't have to just follow the traditional mm-hmm. incorrect method of, of that. That that gets a lot of our parents and, and their parents into this, um, you know, this cycle. And so I, I think that's dude I think it's awesome. I love it. I love it.
2: And I just came up with the kindergarten K plan. I was uh, it's a guy here. He owns a Greek restaurant. Oh, he's going to kick me for not knowing his name. Yannis. Yannis So He's a retired CPA and we were sitting down, he had a they did a movie premiere and his the after party was at his uh, uh restaurant. That's how I got introduced to him and I was just sitting down talking to him one day and he said, "Prince, you know what? Kindergarten K. You know, like a 401 k but for kids." So that's what the whole I was like, "You know what? That was
1: great." I
2: said, "Don't sue me in 5 years, but I'm going to use it." Yeah, <laughs> Something run awesome, with, man. you know, build this whole thing out and go forward. And um, I try to do the whole corporate thing, like get corporations and politicians. But I feel like that will be so convoluted and take so long. So I said, hey, you know what? I need something to work on anyway. I like to work on problems. So let me work on this. Let me get, you know, all of the different licenses, all of the different paperwork and all the other stuff like that. So just been running with it, making it happen. Well, you just just completed a a pretty big milestone of that, right? You you sent me a text not too long ago. You got your, uh, what is it? Your series, series 67? 65. I got the 65 and I actually filed for a registered investment advisory here in Colorado. I had a hearing about two weeks ago and hopefully in the next month or so, I'll be a registered investment advisory and that'll be a huge milestone to where, hey, you can now Hold assets and you know things like that, and uh, you know. Then I know a couple schools. I've been working with the schools, so the premise is to hey, start with a small school and see how it goes, and iron out all your wrinkles. Then you can just see to grow behind it. So once it's there, and I have it there, then I go out and you know, because I know some people in media and things like that. Um, but I use all of that once media. I look at using that once I'm ready. You know, once I can capitalize off of media, not just to be on TV, just for the sake of it. So to capitalize off of it, to say, hey, you know what? I created this program. I worked on it, and it actually works. And these are the kids we've used to with. This is what we've done already. You know, we've written the books on it. We've turned kids into first-time shareholders. And here are the kids. And, you know, now we work with this school or maybe a smaller daycare. Daycare is even better because the kids are younger to say, hey, you know what? This is what we're doing. These are the things that I don't like. And even doing it at the level I've done it so far, I've learned lessons. One lesson I hate is uh, not hate, but dislike is once I give away the stock it is the parent stock. I got to hope the parent does the right thing with that particular stock. You know, another thing is some parents may not. I've you know, I got to tell the stories, but sometimes with some parents, I had to educate the parents to even take free shares of Coca-Cola. I said, hey, here are free shares. They're like, oh, well, what's the catch? How much does that cost? And what's that going to do? And blah, blah, blah. And I had to go educate the parent just to take the shares, free shares for the kid. So I look at it and say, well, sometimes some parents or guardians are not in the best positions to even take it on on hand. So those little things that uh, I'm looking at, you know, that I got a couple of securities attorneys that I'm going to look at to see what are some ways to uh, figure out some problems and uh, you know, to make it better, so maybe my job is just to spark the next mind to do it on a massive level.
0: I so, love
2: it, oh, yeah, the, I forgot the Warren Buffett story that everybody talks about too. Is it was I used to always go to before COVID happened, I used to always go to Omaha to Berkshire, and I knew some of Buffett's people over the years, just meeting them. And um, one day, they uh, one of his people invited me to lunch, and I go to lunch, and uh, at the time, I didn't know her. it was Miss Buffett that I was having lunch with. And she talked to me throughout the whole lunch. She introduced herself by her first name. She didn't say, hey, I'm Miss Buffett. She didn't say who she was until at the end. She's like, hey, um, you know, I, I just really I thought maybe she worked for Buffett or maybe she, you know, worked for the company or something. And she uh, said he no, works I for her. I'm sure. Say again.
1: I said he
0: works for her.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's like uh, she tells a guy which she's like, hey, uh, find out where's Warren. And guy comes back and says, he just got back to his office. And I'm so used to calling him, you know, I mean, Warren, it's like 91 years old. But everybody around him calls him Warren, you know. <laughs> but I always call him Mr. Buffett. And he just says, uh, hey, um," she said, hey, he just got back to the office. She's like, okay, come with me. And just took me to his office. And the first two people I met was Todd and, what's Todd? Ted and Todd. Ted and Todd, these are the guys who are notorious for, reading so many financial reports, they're for, they're the ones that brought all the Apple stock. They're the ones that brought Amazon. They're the ones that kind of put Berkshire into the new league of, you know, instead of the old school railroads, they're the ones that's like, hey, we need to get a crap ton of Apple. We need to get a crap ton of Amazon. All these big purchases of modern day, they purchase the IPO, which Buffett never does. Um, and I ran to them first. It's like, hey, I'm Ted, I'm you, like, I've been reading about you guys Freaking forever. When are y'all ever going to show your face? There's like never. <laughs> Just like you know. And they were kind of corn to take over for Warren. But I know you know. And then one of them end up in the beginning of January. Now he's the president of uh Geico. So Warren made him that He paid a million dollars to have lunch with Warren, and he paid a million dollars to have a. Todd paid a million dollars to have a um, lunch with Warren once. He won, he won a raffle, paid a million dollars, had lunch with him. And he asked Warren for a job. And the next year, he did the raffle again. He paid a million dollars again, won again. And Warren was like, okay, well, you know what? I might have something that, you know, how does this guy keep winning? And now he's the, he, he gave him $3 billion to manage. And now, you know, I guess he did pretty good with that. Now he's the CEO of Geico. They're announcing the Geico CEO. So I met those two guys first, and then you know uh, Warren's office office opened up to his door. And his you know Miss Buffett just walks me straight in. It's like Warren, you got to meet this guy. He reaches his hand. i was so humble. He reaches. He's like, "Hey, I'm Warren." I'm like, "Yeah, I think I recognize you." You know, <laughs> and he he takes the books. He asks to keep my books or whatever, and I said, "Definitely, you can have them." And then his wife said, "No, I was telling him that you was going to sign them. So he writes letters to me and my son in each one of my books. And I said, Mr. Buffett, that's the only copy that I brought. You know, I, I, you know, you wrote, it you wrote in them. And I remember studying you something called intrinsic value. You know, the intrinsic value is just increased <laughs> by you signing these. I got to take these. So he said, sure, you could take them, but uh, send a copy to the office, send a copy of each one to the office and send me an invoice. I said, okay. Then he, um, they give me a tour to his office. Like he got all his artifacts of him and bill, bill Gates. And you know, when they first met his first stock, he purchased this company, that company, these, you know, artifacts that he keep in his office, all type of stuff or whatever, very modest office, very modest thing or whatever. And then at the end he says, Hey, um, I got to run. I got to meet with Becky quick from CNBC to, for dinner tonight. And if you're not busy, uh, could you join us? I was like, Oh, yeah. Um, I, I got plans. Yeah. So <laughs> like yeah, I think yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I'll be there. And um so his his people sent me the address and met him up for dinner. It was me, Miss Um, you know, it was Warren Buffett, Miss Buffett and his bodyguard and um Becky Quick from C N B C So you know that was that and at the end I ended up driving this car. That was always the coolest part of the story because his security wanted me to they wanted me to stay with Mr. Buffett while he went and got the car and I didn't feel comfortable with doing that because people were walking up, you know, some people wanted autographs, some people wanted pictures, some people wanted this or whatever and he was keeping them at bay and I said, well, I don't know who's family or what's the protocol, what are you supposed to do, you know, I, I don't know. So I said, I don't really feel comfortable being in that position. He said, well, can you go grab the car? I said, like, okay. And I thought this car was going to be a, <laughs> I don't know, I thought it was going to be like four people carrying them on a chariot or something. But uh, no, it was uh, I think it was like a Honda or something, you know. And just the the humbleness. He walks into the restaurant like a regular person. He had his head down. And, you know, so definitely um, he ended up putting that whole story. His historian put the whole story into his book that came out in 2020 about his life. And, you know, they took all my pictures and videos and stuff like that. And, you know, and just, he had one request. He was just like, hey, just the pictures of my wife, keep those to yourself. I said, okay, no problem. So, that was like, I don't know. I don't think I can do anything to top Mr. Buffett. You know, no,
1: that's that's, uh, that's an incredible story. Thank you for sharing that. I think. Oh the, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I can't even imagine what. Uh, <laughs> I, I love how they were like, "Hey, um, can you just stay here with Mr. Buffett and kind of run guard? <laughs> like, come on, man."
2: <laughs> I was like, uh. You know, some people are coming up, some people they know, some people they don't know. I was like, I don't know who is who, yeah. you know, let the wrong person up. If I don't let the person up, then, you know, nah, now I said, no, nah, I'm, I'm not qualified for this. <laughs> you know, I can help with another capacity, but I can't, you know, keep anybody at bay or anything like that. So, but yeah, very humble guy, very, the the lesson on humility and the lesson of the thing that I always learned from Berkshire was to always... Because the crazy part, I remember this happening like yesterday. I would go to the meetings and I would meet athletes that I know. Oh, this guy's in the NBA. I know him. He's an NBA All Star. Oh, this boxer. I know him. He's a He just signed a $300 million deal. That athlete made $100 million or $200 million or whatever. And they wanted to meet with Warren. And I went on and asked, I said, hey, these people would like to meet with you. And they're like, no, they declined. So I asked, I said, well, why would y'all want to take me out the streets but not meet with these guys who are highly successful, popular, famous? And the lesson was, you know, look at people's character over their money. He was like, you can fix money. You can't fix character. You know, if some if you're going to do business with somebody and they're a horrible dad or a horrible husband, what type of business partner are they going to be? So I that was the nuggets that I got was like, Oh, I didn't think of about, that. he said, if it's a company, look at the management more so than looking at the money, look at the management. If it's bad management, it doesn't matter how much money you throw at it. It's it's going to reflect what management is doing. So those were the, the, the lessons and gems that I learned over the years and things like that. And, you know, shout out to Berkshire and Buffett and things like that. So great people over there, you know, very simple, humble people. And, And the funny, uh, a fun fact is Mark Cuban came the day before and from Shark Tank, Mark Cuban came the day before I met him and Warren took him to Dairy Queen. (laughs) And he said, uh, the guy was like, uh, the same guy that was with me. He said he was with Mark Cuban and Warren. He said, I took him to Dairy Queen. He said, nobody recognized him. He said, we went in, we ordered, people ordered. They sat down, everybody walked right by him. Didn't know. He said it was just one customer that took a, you know, they had ice cream. that just walked in walked by. I was like, are you? Then he said immediately they went viral, <laughs> but it was like, everybody just walked in. Nobody knew, just sat down at Dairy Queen. But he said he's very rarely anybody to his office. He used to go out to a Dairy Queen or something like that. But just, a, that's just his mentality of, Hey, if you can't sit down and eat a ice cream at Dairy Queen, like, well, who do you think you are? You know, type deal. Mm-hmm. Same thing with, you know, going to his office. So he's just very humble. And I just, it was very inspiring. And he just said, hey, I want to do something like this. I want to do something great in life, awesome in life, you know, or whatever. And, you know, to me, my biggest role model in finance, it was just and for him to like, oh, know who I am and endorse what I'm doing. I'm just like, man, this is, I got to go do something in life now. <laughs> Super cool,
0: man. Well, speaking so, of what, what is next, you know, I, I know you're, Mm -hmm. You're kind of, are you planning on kind of ending your Navy career pretty soon? And and what's, what's after that?
2: Yeah, definitely. um, You know, I've been approved to retire. Um, I've been approved to retire and also been approved for the skill bridge program. So I'll be interning at an investment firm. Um, Also having my own firm itself, uh, own registered investment advisory. Um, I got picked, I don't know if y'all are familiar with the Amazon DSP program. Um, the delivery service program was pretty much like a franchise almost of Amazon. But I applied for that last year and got picked up and selected for it. And um, they actually called me to go to New Orleans and start one. But unfortunately, you know, I can't do it at this time. So um, so that's on the, that's one of the things on the table. But one of the things that I definitely want to get into is setting up my own um, entity firm and finding the true identity of how I exactly want the firm to build out and work. Do I want to get into the private equity space? Do I want to get into the venture capitalist space? You know, how do I want to, you know, run things or whatever. So that's, uh, huge for me, the podcasting thing, uh, you know, definitely I'm always going to be some form of podcast and media, some, uh, some sort and just putting, um, I would say also, you know, of course, I don't know if I'll write another book, because I'm looking to have greater impact with working with schools, school districts and writing the financial literacy inside of the curriculum that I'm working on now for the state of Colorado. And just going forward and doing great things, you know, turning to, you know, having that investment firm, building my for profit side, building the nonprofit side and having the for profit support the nonprofit. That's my um my ultimate goal. You know.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you're a man of small goals, so you know, I think uh, <laughs>
2: very small keep them small as possible you know
1: small as possible so they're achievable hey (laughs) man prince i just want to tell you that i uh you know we can we there are so many other questions i have we're gonna have to have you back on the show because uh there's Mm -hmm. some other things that i really want to dig into but um but i just want to encourage you man i i love love your vision i love the fact that you are uh so outwardly focused that you're looking at solutions to hard problems that you're empowering people you're and i'll tell you there's probably some frustration in uh you know having to teach the parents of the kids that you're giving free you know free um uh, stock to but what i will say is you've changed their lives you you have empowered those parents to be better parents to to educate their children and you've made them better human beings through the education and 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 what you've invested and given to them so I know that there's some frustration in that, but, but I just want to encourage you that, that um, I, I love it and I love your vision. I love your focus it inspires me. It humbles me. And uh, you know, I want to be, I want to be more like Prince Sykes. When I grow up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome, man. You, you're doing amazing things. And, and it's just, a, it's just been a, a pleasure to get to know you. And, and I look forward to our continued conversations and, and ways that we can Connect and, and and help serve together, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's
2: uh it, it's amazing. Definitely appreciate. It. I thank y'all for having me on and hearing me ramble about my life and story and all these other goofy things and stuff like that too. So definitely.
0: Amen. How how uh, how can people get a hold of you? What's the best way for folks to reach out if they want to talk to you about the the kindergarten K plan?
2: Um, you know, definitely my email address is prince at children financial literacy.org that's prince at children financial literacy.org all that is singular so it's just children financial literacy.org you can log on to our website gcflf.com that's just a, the acronym for global children financial literacy.org you can log on there um, also you can follow me on instagram facebook uh, i'm on instagram i'm on facebook i'm on youtube and those are probably the best ways, you know, check out and follow what I do and um, just going from there.
0: Yeah, he only has like 50,000 followers. Or something
2: like that. <laughs> yes, it's thanks everybody that follows and all of the people, you know, like I, I got to give a big shout out to, you know, Warren Buffett, Terrell Davis, Rod Smith, uh, Famous Amos, Famous Amos Cookies. Uh, those people, if it wasn't for them, I would never got the opportunities to be seen you know all the different athletes you know i mean even the, the father of the 401k mr ted benner all those people that's coming on the show robert kiyosaki rich dad poor dad i mean the list just goes on of a lot of people that have put me in a position to uh be seen or you know, to share my content to be seen by other people and who are um, who likes what i do and thinks oh this goofy guy's all right you know it's a <laughs> hey, now you
0: made, you made big time Right. you're Now you're podcast. on Filling Stars podcast, like that's like top of the line, dude. exactly,
2: right? See, exactly, that's that's top definitely line. top. Like you know, top I'm gonna right. have to call Andy Sore and be like, hey man, what's forget that Yahoo Finance? You know where I was at today?
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Check,
2: check these guys, <laughs> check yeah. out Stu
0: and Dave, those Yahoos, Stu and Dave. go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, guys and gals, hey, get in touch with Prince. He's he's. Uh, obviously a, a man of action. Um, he's got big goals. And if if there's a way that you think you can help Prince, like reach out to him and, um, let's make this world a better place. I love it. Um, subscribe to all of his stuff. Um, and, um, Hey, most importantly, go fill your storehouse.
1: Hey, make it a great day. Friends, Prince. Thanks, my man. Appreciate you.
0: Thanks, Dave. Thanks to Appreciate yes,
1: it. Sir. See you. Thanks for listening to filling the storehouse. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe and share it with someone you love. And if you really felt inspired, leave a five-star review so we could continue to grow and help other Christian entrepreneurs build their storehouse. If you're interested in creating financial freedom through real estate investing, be sure to check out our website at storehouse310turnkey.com. We'd love to serve you through our platform of building the kingdom. Just click on the contact link and we'll apply to you as soon as we can. Again, thanks so much for listening. Now go fill your storehouse and make it a great day.